0: Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive or if you think like one and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Medcalf, founder of x Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve even more extraordinary results. Because no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Graham Strachan is the CEO of Vital Solutions. He became a business owner by accident uh, with a really interesting story. He was in a business and suddenly the opportunity was there within a week or so to actually take over the business, become a full owner and take it in a new direction. Get it really into that story and find out about the mission that Graham's on as he wants to create a business that's truly multi-generational that can be passed from the founders uh, or the owners to employees across multiple generations. So this is a really interesting conversation. We look at some of the ways that Graham keeps himself on track, uh, how he burns his bridges and paints himself into corners how he recruits partners in a really in- interesting way. I think you'll find this story really interesting as he's built out a business that really serves his market very specifically. Enjoy this conversation with Graham Strecken. Graham,
1: hi. It's great to see you today. Thanks, Richard. I'm, I'm super excited, actually. I love this kind of
0: thing. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. We're, we're, um, we're going to dive into, you know, you're the founder and CEO of of vital solutions which we, we'll, we'll get into what that's about yep. and I, I know that you've had an interesting story of how that business came to be uh, and I know that you've got quite an interesting vision for where you want to take the business. I'm looking to getting into that today. Mm-hmm. Why don't you start just by explaining um, a little bit about um, what is vital and how did, a, how did a Scottish giant end up in okay. uh, middle America?
1: Sure. So um, Vital Solutions, well, first off, I'm one of three founders, so I want to correct that before I get in trouble from the other two. Um, Yes, I'm the CEO, but I'm one of three founders. Um, Vital Solutions is a management consulting firm uh, that specializes in services around mergers and acquisitions. So on the IT side, IT due diligence, and then post-deal, IT um, separation or integration work. We, do, we help companies build or improve their project management offices as well uh, or um, transformation management offices, et cetera. That's called our XMO services. And then lastly, we help our clients select and implement solutions, software solutions. So th- those are the three main areas, mergers and acquisitions, XMO, and system selection and implementation. Okay. Um, uh, we're, we're a smallish company. We're not We're not enormous. Um, but we do have a quite a big footprint just because of the way that the company is designed and built we we work a lot with partners and independent contractors as well as our employee owners and I know we'll want to dive into the mm. you know the kind of business model and why why we do it that way and why we have employee owners as opposed to just you know employees
0: right got it
1: and and this is, and you and where are you based Oh sorry yeah well so the company's based in denver uh Colorado um I personally am based up in Silverthorne, Colorado, next to all the fantastic ski resorts that we have here and the hard line well it's got to look in the silver lining of things you know all this new work from home stuff definitely enables us to to live and work closer to where we actually want to be and you know for me that's in the mountains i need to ask you what's wrong with Aviemore? right Um... (laughs) i do remember driving up to Aviemore uh years and years ago and you would you would see the cars coming the other way you be like oh no it's rained out again it's, Snow's been rained off the hill or whatever so yeah it's a little bit a little uh, bit more <laughs> snowshore here
0: yeah yeah if people listening every more is, is where i learned to ski it's a ski resort yeah, yeah, in yeah. scotland I, I spent a cool weekend there and i, I learned in a blizzard uh yeah, a very cold blizzard yeah. i have so. nothing
1: against that the nice i is it's fantastic but no i i left uh i left scotland quite a few years ago i started my career and uh, back when it was uh, Anderson Consulting, it is now Accenture. Back in the late '90s, uh, down in London, um, met an American woman who is now my wife. Uh, we met in Paris on a project. Sounds very romantic, but if anyone's ever worked on a consulting project, you tend that it's not the most gla- It's often not the most glamorous buildings you end up. And we were in a little town south south of Paris, which wasn't very glamorous at all. And you know kind of windowless offices that's that's where we met so it's not quite as romantic as it sounds uh and being uh um sometimes not very aware of myself back then I never one day even thought that I would move to America I married an American woman without even really thinking about the possibility of moving to America it wasn't like it was a a dream or anything but uh my wife is from Miami from Florida and at some point she wanted to move back to the States and I thought I I could do that but I I, I don't want to to florida so like two good management consultants we drew up a list of, a spreadsheet oh yeah it was a big spreadsheet of things that we wanted to get out of you know wherever mm. we were going to live and it was a weighted scoring thing like we she had her waiting on it i had my waiting on it and then we scored various cities around america uh against this spreadsheet <laughs> denver came out on top and in 2008 we moved to denver and haven't been okay. back since so pro- pro- okay. the proof is in the pudding right it worked
0: yeah, so so tell me about uh, Vital. You know, uh, why yeah, why did you
1: decide to co-found this? Right, what's, yeah. what's the story there? We had, I, I would say it was it was a case of turning. It, it was a case of making lemonade out of lemons, if I'm being honest with you. Um, myself and the other two founders worked at another consulting firm, which was primarily owned by one person. Um, it was a single founder. He uh well, still owns the, the 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 bulk of the company, the, the I mean a large majority of the company. Um uh the company was doing really well. Um at some stage he had asked me to take over as CEO. We continued to do really well. Um but I, I don't think I realized there were some probably some personal issues going on there. It certainly wasn't for me to to, to dig into and he decided uh he needed to be out, out, gone, out. And even I think having that ownership of the company not being involved in the day-to-day running made it very difficult for him. So he decided that um, he didn't even have time to sell it. He wanted just to go away. So he decided to shut the company down. Um, Not wanting our employees to have to go find new work, et cetera, we actually ended up buying the contracts from the old company. So we did an asset purchase agreement, bought those contracts, um, paying a percentage off the top, uh for for a certain amount of time and were able to offer employment to the vast majority of people uh who are at the other company and so in a way we, we lucked into it we let's say we lucked into it i am I'm, I'm not a big believer in, in luck you know you, you make your own luck, you make it happen yeah you made it you make happen, it you happen mean, yeah you could, know, you could have <laughs> walked away and gone on another <laughs> job or whatever right but you and believe me yeah and, and it wasn't like we had this big dream to go found a company it the opportunity presented itself to us, mm-hmm. um, and we, we jumped into it feet first. A little bit scary because we basically went to the bank um, and asked for a line of credit. Um, we showed them our pro formas and everything and our projections, and in a, a one-hour meeting, we walked out with a handshake for a $300,000 line of credit, which was between the three owners on our own personal properties, et cetera, because, you know, the company's not founded at that point. So the only collateral is, is our own properties. So having a personal line to set up that that company was a bit scary. However, we had contracts. So we knew fine, well, we'd be able to pay things back. But that's the only funding that we've ever had. Uh, and we paid that line up pretty quickly. Uh, and we were able to, to grow the company. The first six months or so was just, okay, let's get mm-hmm. everything set up. Let's run it like we were running before. And then that was about July, 2017. At the end of the year uh, or in Q4, we'll do our strategic planning and we'll decide what it is we want to be when we grow up, right? What kind of company is it we're building? What do we want to achieve? What does it, what is it going to feel like to work here? What culture do we want? All of those yeah. questions, because honestly, the setting of the setting up of the company, we did it in a weekend. So and the whole thing took a week. It, it was right. crazy fast.
0: Right, yeah, because there was a transition to be made. Right, you can customers kind of. We hey, had to go older
1: clients. Yeah, and our, and our, it, it's interesting actually, and it was a good reminder for us that um it, it, in the services world, so in professional services such as consulting and probably many mm-hmm. others, it, it really is all about your people and how they serve your customers. Because we went to talk to our, you know, our customers, and almost down to an individual, you know, the conversation went along the lines of, "Hey, there's nothing to worry about." However, you know, this old company is going away. There's a new company. And all of our clients said, well, I have the same team on Monday. You know, from Friday to Monday, we said, absolutely. And they were like, well, I don't care what it's called. Because your team, the people that deliver for us, we love them. They're doing great work for us. As long as I get the same service and the same team, the same people, yeah. then that's fantastic. And that, that gave us quite a strong indication about some of the values and some of the focuses we need to, needed to spend on the new company. Got it.
0: So let's fast forward all the way to now. Um, I know I'm sure there's a whole journey from where you were until now. Oh, yeah. what, I'm, but what I'm keen about in this in this season is to really understand uh, what's the mission that you're on as as a leader. Obviously, you're a bit yeah. of an accidental entrepreneur. You know, you you kind of yeah. ended up as a business owner. It wasn't your plan. Absolutely, you didn't even plan to be in the states. You ended up marrying um, somebody. I have to say <laughs> the same story, right? <laughs> I, I never yeah. planned to be in France for twenty years. and Right, I am. right. right. Um, yeah. So. So how would you describe the mission that
1: you're on now, you know, as a business leader? What are you trying yeah. to create? The, there's a few things. There's probably two or three things there. Um, I, I mean, our mission statement, I know that's not what you're asking, about. our mission statement as a company is we, we exist to help business leaders achieve their vision. Mm-hmm. And there's three, there's kind of three things we look at there. When we say business leader, obviously, number one, we're talking about our clients. The reason a consulting firm like us exists is to help them do something that they can't do on their own or they haven't been able to do, yeah. that should tie to some kind of strategic plan or a vision. So we exist right. to help yeah. business leaders achieve their vision. However, we also view our own employee owners as business leaders. Mm. So we also exist to help our employee owners achieve their own visions. And, and I'm, I'm not naive enough to think that in a small company like this, we can help all of our people achieve their visions within the confines of our company all mm. of the time. So part of it, we have like, you know, a mentor-mentee relationship model as well internally, is understanding what our people want to do with their lives, with their careers, et cetera. And it's okay that sometimes we're stepping so into that. That's okay. As long as we can enable them to do so, we're still leading into our mission, right? As long as we can enable them to do that in some kind of genuine way, fantastic. And then the last one is we also see community leaders um, as business leaders as well. So, how do we show up in the community, and how do we help, you know, not for profits or other community leaders? Um, in primarily right now in Denver in the front range. How do we help them achieve their vision? So that's there's a lot rolled into that one little statement. Right. But then personally, when we set up the company, um, and it was a little bit in reaction to how the previous company had had, had folded. I mean, even down to the, the, the kind of brass tacks of the operating agreement, it's written in such a way that it's very difficult for one person to pull the company down, et cetera, et cetera. But we wanted more longevity, more opportunity for our own people. So we made it an employee-owned company, number one. Um, everybody has the opportunity to participate in the ownership. And the idea is actually it's a multi-generational company. But by that, I don't mean my own family, my own kids. It's not strapping and Sons um i mean the people who work for us we want to hire people who are interested in growing and developing this business vital solutions into something bigger and better than than i could or other founders ever could so it's that old adage of hiring people who are smarter than you but on top of that giving them the opportunity and, and and the line of sight to say oh Uh, I can continue to collect ownership as I grow here. And then let's say, you know, Graham retires or Jimmy or Mm. was, or other two founders retire that ownership gets rolled back into the businesses that's available for other people. So, you know, when I eventually retire or win the lottery or get run over by a bus or whatever it is that, you know, makes me not be in the company anymore. I would like to think that the people who step up, whether it's a smaller percentage, it should be at some point worth way more than my big percentage ever was. And having that kind of continuous thing and opportunities for people to grow and develop while serving our customers, our clients—that mm-hmm. that's what excites me. And um, so, I just say, I love the fact that you built this. I mean, this this ownership.
0: Um, yeah. Model into the business because that does kind of put your money where your mouth is, right? It's easy oh, for yeah. everyone to say we want to, you know, give back to employees, we want to create opportunities, yeah. but in a sense, the ownership structure almost forces you to yeah. to live that out at this point, right? Because
1: yeah, that's and it's baked in. It's uh, and it's actually looking at the numbers right now. We we have to because of this, we have to do like an annual uh, valuation, valuation, yeah. valuation, all that kind of stuff. Looking at some of the numbers right now, it is scary when I look at it and say oh, wow, if, if this person left and that person left, that's a lot of money we have to start paying people out. Um, mm. How do we make sure? Because this is, I, I call it as well, burning your burning your boats. I like to kind of paint myself into a corner sometimes. It, but you, It's like you say, you put your money where your mouth is. I know that if we as a company underperform and do not have a good culture, don't have good employee engagement, et cetera, people will leave. Mm. Goodness, if they leave, we're going to have to shell out quite a lot of money to these employee owners to buy back their stuff. I'd better make sure as the CEO that I create a wonderful place for people to work so that they don't, Mm. and we all know people leave from time to time. You're never going to get zero attrition ever. Um, But how do I make sure that because of the position we deliberately put ourselves in, we're not hemorrhaging money because people are leaving because it's Mm. not a great place to work. So I, I love, it sounds a bit weird, but I love painting myself into those corners so that I really need to think long and hard. It, it forces me to undertake certain actions that actually end up bolstering the firm. It's
0: interesting. I I was thinking about um, a quote, I think I mentioned it on another episode recently, which was around uh, from Jeff Bezos, who said, um, in the long-term investor investor requirements and customer requirements align, right? It's only in the short-term that they feel that they diverge. And it's a bit the same thing. You know, it's like, if you do the right things, yeah, the right long-term things are going to benefit the employees, yeah. and they're going to benefit the business as a result. And that's yeah, where the, it all kind
1: of makes sense. It's, um, I think this quote's been attributed to a few people, but I, I know that Richard—it's been attributed to Richard mm-hmm. Branson as well. And I love this quote. It's, if you look, it's way before his time as well, I'm sure. But if you look after your people, your people will look after your customers. Mm. So I, I that—that's yes. great to me. I'm like, absolutely. If I, if I, if we can make. Yeah. A pl- an environment with, you know, great culture, challenging mm. work, and yeah. work that people want to turn up to and perform, they're going to be much happier at our client site. Yeah. And if they're much happier doing work for a client, they're going to do good work. And if they do good work, guess what? Our clients are going to buy more. And it, it, so it's building those virtuous cycles, right?
0: Yeah. So, so I mean, I love this. I, you know, I love the fact that, you know, you have this... You call it the multi generational approach that you're actually trying to create a cycle where people yeah. can come up through the business, um, earn their way into it, um, mm-hmm. and then exit at the right time, and and other people yeah. can come through. and I think it's it's really fascinating thing that you've built there. Uh, and then this burning the boat strategy is a way to almost say, yeah, you know, say well, for me it's like, yeah, you you create. Uh, create a mechanism that then almost yeah. creates the right behaviors our forces the right behaviors yeah um, and forces actually...
1: me the right behavior is me In you yeah <laughs> yeah right
0: absolutely. yeah and i you think know, that's fantastic so um at the moment what would you say like as you look at that vision and, and everything that you're focusing on you know what energizes and excites you and, and and what drains you and slows you down
1: um you know as 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 a ceo in this business yeah. So, my, it's funny, my, my degree, my original degree um, is in product design engineering. So, I've got a master's degree in product design engineering. Sounds like it's got nothing to do with management consulting. And, and actually, just like we talked about earlier, I kind of accidentally kind of stumbled into Accenture, into management consulting in the first place. But what really energizes me now, and it ties all the way back to my original degree, being the CEO, is very similar to product design in one respect i'm building a company i'm building a culture uh, i'm building a client base you know i'm not building a product but the same thought process has to go into it what is the voice of the customer whether that's our clients or our people or the local community what are their needs how can i build a company that satisfies those needs and so for me it's almost it's almost like coming full circle you know i i my degree, I, and, and then went into something very different and actually quite difficult for me. I, I must admit, the whole management consulting being very structured, a structured, you know, project program management, and my background's like lean six sigma. We so talk about structure and you know data and being precise. Whereas yeah. my natural behaviour is kind of seat of the pants. So you've got this weird conflict between seat of the pants wanting to do you know big vision stuff, but having to be in the details to then come full circle to be in a seat. Now, where I get to design and build this organization, this living, breathing organization that achieves something, is energizes me No it. Um, there are, however, because nothing's perfect, some areas that definitely do take energy away. Um, we are a very, I would say, culture first organization everything that we do every conversation we have flows through you you hear us talk about our four culture tenets it's kind of like our company values right Mm -hmm. you'll hear us talk about those things so for us we always have a big focus on culture Mm -hmm. one of the things that takes energy away from me can sap me a little bit I I know we've had a couple of occasions where I mentioned before we do partner with other companies to go into bigger projects etc we've had a couple of occasions where we've definitely I'd say missed a trick or two when determining who best to work with and really learned a hard lesson about, it. it's not just about the skills that they can bring. It's about the combination of the two companies, cultures working together. Um, you know, we had a very, very large project recently for us. It's enormous uh, working with a partner company who just did not share those values and, and having to be firefighting because of strained relationships due to lack of culture mm integration or or, or similarities they just didn't have the same values that 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 we do, and it was exacerbating because in my mind you know i'm I'm not not always right (laughs) but you know you like to think this culture because it's the Mm -hmm. right thing to do and it's it's this amazing way of working when someone doesn't quite do it it baffles me as to why they don't see things we the way we do clearly that's not right and i'm sure they have the same conversations on their side why can't Vice will do things the way we do, you know, that was draining.
0: It's Richard here with just a quick interlude. If you're serious about multiplying your impact, I have a free resource that you won't want to miss. I've put together a short email course called Exponential Leadership Principles. In it, I set out how you can use the same strategies as some of the world's top leaders to get out of incremental progress and achieve breakthrough results. Be prepared to have your current thinking challenged and to learn some very new ways of leading. If you're interested in following along, simply sign up at xquadrant.com slash go slash exponential. Now back to the conversation and what would you recommend like how would you solve that problem next time how would you actually try to get under the skin it's quite hard from the outside it
1: it is but um a little bit more care and time and attention the same to the same degree that we perform employee interviews Mm. is actually Mm. stepping through that with the client you know we use we use all sorts of things including uh, predictive index which is like a behavior assessment thing you know just to determine what kinds of profiles people have we don't say no to someone because of a profile. It helps us understand who they are so and how to manage people. But it would be the same for a client. It doesn't mean because they don't have the same values as us or the same, you know, company values written down or anything that we wouldn't work with them. It just means we have to understand how to manage things Mm. differently. So it's not a yes no thing. It just means, hey, if we tend to work this way and they tend to work that way, what's the bridge in the middle that enables us to work together? Mm. And how can we manage that better? So it's not it's not necessarily to say I wouldn't work with that partner. If it was to do it again, it would to help us manage it better and that so just yeah. doing your homework doing your diligence it'd you know. be interesting
0: we need to come up with a few key use cases on those partnerships mm-hmm. after how Absolutely. how they would want to work because i think that's when the values come off the page right because all the values look good on the paper right but right uh, actually like what how would you manage this situation or this situation if there was this choice it's always in the, those hard choices that that's right. values really come out doesn't it well
1: we did yeah. actually build as a result of that some high-performing team tools that we would that we run through now at the beginning of projects like that so making sure that not as company to company but as team to team so Mm -hmm. if we've you know if we're doing the management layer and they're doing the technology heavy lifting okay well let's all get in a room and understand what the project is about what's the vision of the project how do we need to show up as a team what are our team values and then checking in on an ongoing basis to say, "Hey, these are the four or five or six things we said were team. goals. Mm. Are we living there? How are we doing? If not, what do mm. we need to change?" So it's all about expectation setting. Yeah, for... yeah fantastic.
0: Yeah. yeah, great. So, uh, past this, I'm just for sake of time, what do we let's move on? I'm always interested in these little quick fire questions that that we have uh, these days. Okay. Um, to to dive into, yeah, what's kind of what. What feeds you as a leader? So, you know, what's a favorite quote that you, you live by
1: or you apply mm. in your leadership or you find is, is, is distinctive for you? Well, I, I already mentioned the one about um, looking after your yeah. employees, your employees look after your customers. So, I'll, I'll think it's <laughs> something different the, it, and it's, this is a learned thing for me. I did say earlier it was kind of seat the pants person, but, um, and this is a bit of a classic one probably, but Sun Tzu, um, every battle is won before it's fought. And Mm. I I say that that's a learned thing for me because as a naturally more big picture seat of the pants kind of guy, that to me, it's a good reminder for me that every time we start a piece of work, every time I do something internally, like what's the outcome we're trying to achieve? What is the plan to get there? What happens if things go wrong? Or just the example I gave about the teams. How do these two teams work together? Having a plan, having defined goals. And plan to get there will always help us be much more successful than just my regular "go for it" yeah. <laughs> approach. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, it's 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 such a great point. A lot of leaders, you know, with, me included, you know, we want to get off. Have when we have an idea, we want to go for it fast right. and make start moving. And yeah. just taking that time to really slow down and articulate what it is we're doing and why, and yeah. what are the key steps,
1: and and, and so forth. Yeah, it's, uh, the, uh, the, the less I guess the less. Uh, classy way of saying that is the six p's hmm. perfect planning prevents piss poor performance there we six go six. yeah <laughs> yes
0: yes yeah will you for that one it sounds more intellectual <laughs> uh what about a favorite app is there an app you know that you use that makes you particularly productive or that you know really yeah. you find gets you through the day
1: yeah i, I i'm a bit of a productivity junkie um mm-hmm. I, I i really really am and and One of the things I, it's actually one of the things I think I'm I'm pretty good at. If you look at my calendar, it's probably only about 50% full. Uh, One of my pet peeves Mm -hmm. is, you know, people, and it's like, oh, they're double and triple booked all the time. Like, well, you don't know how to delegate or manage your time then. Um, But one of the things that I found is using apps on my phone, I've used all sorts of productivity Mm -hmm. apps. The problem with apps on the phone, your phone is a time sink. Mm. Um, or can be a time sink if you're not careful, and I am very easily distracted. So it's not an app as such. I, I've actually shied away from productivity apps on my phone right. because every time I pick it up, I get sucked into other things, which defeats the point. Yeah, I, I actually recently got. Um, it's actually a physical clock called okay. Time Timer, and it's uh, you can buy an eight-inch clock, a twelve-inch clock. It's a pretty big clock, and it has a. It's like a. It's an analog clock with a kind of countdown timer from 60 to zero and it will show red for your remaining time and it goes down and it's visible and it's in front of you and mm-hmm. so when it's in front of me I can say well this task has to take me 45 minutes I adjust it to 45 hit start and then I've got this visual in front of me that is shrinking that shows Aye. me exactly yeah. how much time I have left. so it's not an app as yeah. such no, no, uh, it's cool. a physical product but it is a productivity tool that I use to great effect yeah
0: I love it. That's fantastic. I love all time that kind of timer. stuff. Yeah, time timer. timer. It's a great. It's a it. <laughs> it's a really good time name.
1: timer. <laughs> um, what's a book that's really influenced you? Trying to think of a book as well that isn't very obvious or or um, cliche. I. It's funny. I am. I think probably because of my product design background and because of my move into consulting having to very clearly and succinctly communicate with clients mm. and being a very visual um, a very visual thinker person probably Edward Tufte's the visual display of quantitative information is it's kind of a seminal book around data and how you present data right. yeah and i think a lot of times being a management consultant our clients often want us to be brief be bright and be gone so having the ability to communicate large quantities of data very succinctly into findings Mm. it's incredibly useful and and although it's kind of an old school book i mean some of the diagrams are from napoleon's march to russia and back that's one of the best by the way if you have never ever ever seen the graphic for napoleon's march to to moscow and back best piece of information display ever Um, but you know, all of those things give you ideas about how to present data to see, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, it's great. I've, I've I think I've seen that one, I've seen another similar book, um, mm-hmm. and they're really quite, they're quite it. interesting. Yeah, it, it's um, right there. Oh, yeah, I can just see that, see it. Yeah, <laughs> so um, okay, visual display of quantitative information. Thank you. What, yes. what advice would you give your 20 year old self
1: <laughs> that is suitable for this podcast? Um, you know. This might sound a strange start into it, but understanding compound interest and applying it wherever you can. And I don't just mean in investments, I don't just mean, I mean, absolutely. I probably back in my 20s should have put a lot more into my pension accounts or 401ks, etc. However, you know, look for other areas in your life where you can invest time and energy that will give you that kind of compound return. So, relationships you know, your own health and well-being and your learning and development because those things I, I liken them to compound interest. So right? those mm-hmm. things that I learn over time, they become more valuable to me as, as you know, the relationships is a great a great example. Yeah. Your relationship can grow exponentially. And as a consultant, when running a company, business development is hugely important to us. So, you know, had I known years and years and years ago, I would have mm-hmm. probably spent a lot more time. I'm not in an I mean in a genuine way, investing in relationships in a genuine way. But I like to tie things back to that concept of compounding interest over time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, building momentum. Yeah. I mean, I think in my own life, I think um, one of my professional regrets is that when I was in in big corporate at Cisco, Mm -hmm. I didn't attend enough to to all the relationships because of so much going on around me it's easy just to work within your small little section exactly. and, yeah. and that was a classic moment of you know sometimes what got me you know what got me here isn't going to get me to the next level and you know i'd in consulting i had a great career and then i think i just yep. left let that slide a little bit um and, uh, and it's a shame so i think you're right i mean front load relationships front load yeah. work front load knowledge is what you right. can is, is great that's right exactly um the last quick question is 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 really another one as you might know or as you do know we, it was um Laurie Jones who referred you uh, to mm-hmm. me you know saying that uh, you'd be a great guest for, for the podcast um we had Laurie on a few months ago and many of our bests do come from referrals so I'm always keen to know you know who inspires you uh, you know who's an impactful chief executive who you've worked with or as a client or as a, as, a, as a boss or as a manager or somebody in your network, you know, who, mm-hmm. who you think might be, you know, who inspires you and might be a great guest for this kind of show?
1: I can fit. So it's not a client and it's not someone I've ever worked with. It's someone I grew up with. And so his name is Brian Woods. Um, and Brian started a he started out in um, he was a rep for spirits companies. I think he worked at Diageo and so on and ended up setting up his own business. Because he's a friend, we never actually talk that much about business. And I'm always very, very intrigued how he's managed to do what it is that he has done because he has built and sold and built and sold uh, and now does a lot of consulting. Um, and uh, honestly, it's probably for nothing more than my own personal inquisitiveness because whenever i'm home in scotland you know we tend to go to the pub and hang out we don't talk shop so yeah. I, i'd love to hear him on a podcast talking about his business and Real how story. he has yeah. had the success that he has yeah
0: yeah fantastic yeah that's great finally it's one of my favorite it's probably my favorite question okay um no matter how much we've achieved there's always the next level to get to so mm-hmm. where do you want vital to go as a business what's the next level for that
1: company the next level for that company is, is quite honestly with you, probably after I'm gone. because And it goes back to talking about hiring that next generation of people to, to take over. Um, like you said, you know what, what got me here won't get me there. And I think that's the same for the business. What got the business here probably won't get it there. I can paint that picture of where we think there can be. I can guarantee I'm going to have a few moments and I go, oh, can I do that? am I capable of that or do I need to look to these other yeah. people that we have hired and brought up to, to achieve those next things. Mm. Um, and you know, th- there are other things outside of work that I want to do as well. I'm not talking anything imminent, mm. but I-, I don't look at it necessarily as what's this next for the company. Mm. What's next for the company after I'm gone, what's next for my life. And that may or may not be in what we do now. Right. And so honestly, a lot of my time, it, it links back to the productivity thing as well a lot of my focus these days is on how can I free up time Hmm. and change the way that I work to do more of what I love doing. So, you know, designing and developing this company is one thing, but I have a teenage family. Um, Hmm. My wife loves to travel. My parents are at home in Scotland. So how can I have my cake and eat it? How how can I continue as far as I can grow and develop this company, but bring more joy into my life by you know, working remotely or mm. bringing up other people to take on other pieces of the business or, you know, just put my foot down and say, actually, you know what? No, today I'm bad example, but today I'm going to go snowboarding, <laughs> which I'm very, yeah. very bad at.
0: <laughs> it's interesting uh, you've answered my other question, which was what huh? were you, what will you personally need to do differently to multiply your own impact? And we're really getting onto yeah, yeah, it yeah. there. Yeah. What's well, really interesting. And uh, you, you said, freeing yourself up, right. And mm. uh, I'm writing a book, I, you know, um, I've written it. It's, I was just with the editor today. Oh, it's exactly. about freeing yourself up for strategic activity, right, for the next level. That <laughs> and it, it's, always that, it's always that shift. I just see it in yeah. all my clients. It's always the shift. And bizarrely or, or counterintuitively, it's what you said. It's actually, I think it comes from doing less I have a, I've said it many times on podcasts. I have a little snail on my desk. You can probably see it there um, oh, yeah. I have a little snail to remind me to slow down to speed up uh, mm-hmm. and what happens is we build our careers by saying yes to everything it's by decided. getting into opportunities by taking on and by learning and by and by just being in all the action and it gets to a stage where actually we don't need all that actually it's about the couple of it's the critical few things it's right. moving the you know changing this. What's the one phone call that can make all the difference? What's the mm-hmm. one thing you needs to change in the business that's gonna release have everything else? Right? right. And and, yeah. and and it's it's hard because we get used to the, the adrenaline and and the sense of being needed and feel guilty, you know, like uh you know, today I, I I didn't have a actually it was a busy day for me today, but I went and read a book and it was literally I, I've probably spent it was not long, like, 20 minutes, but, you know, but even after the first five minutes, I was feeling guilty, you know? a yeah. <laughs> level because, because yeah, it's, it's like, guilt. it's the middle of the day and I got all these things I could be doing and I'm reading a book. Um, but actually, yeah, that's where you get insight. That's where
1: you a- join new dots. We're so programmed to have to, it's like, you're more successful if you work more hours and all this mm. silliness, quite frankly, and... Yeah, I find it difficult. That's why I was joking about You know, snowboarding or you know, just taking some time. Just today, I'm looking out my window. It's not about six inches. Uh, ideally, I should strap my snowboard on and go up, but I can't because I'm rooted here because I would feel guilty in doing it. However, I know that if I'm out in my own snowboarding, as a CEO, as the person in charge of the vision of the company, I need yeah. clarity of thought. And I can't often do yeah. that. Emails come in, phone calls happen, meetings happen you need that headspace but overcoming the guilt is the single hardest part because we're so wired we're so wired in the western world just to like always be doing
0: yeah oh yeah yeah. well on that note i'm gonna stop it there so you can go snowboarding
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm just gonna
0: go back to work (laughs) (laughs) hey Graham, it's been great speaking with you um yeah, I've really enjoyed you know, hearing about that founding story, how you were able to, you know, where you became an accidental uh, business owner uh, and then your strategy of painting yourselves in the corners to make yourself do yep. these, do the right things, to build this employee-owned business uh, that's actually got the potential to kind of continue and multiply across generations as new people come in uh, and, and do that. And I, um, I'm probably going to get myself a time timer. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah it, it, it's, it's, it's been a great discussion so thank you kind of for your for your warmth and, and for your insights
1: yeah thank you rich i i, I say at the beginning i always love these things and honestly it's because i i think i, I learn probably more about myself that than, than people are listening to the podcast i love doing it. it's not always 100 percent altruistic i love it because i do learn as well myself
0: perfect well thank thanks you thanks so much and stay in touch i hope you enjoyed this conversation now let's talk about you When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others, who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.